You're listening to 17 Karat K-Pop, the show that's a little bit of everything with a K-Pop twist. Visit 17karatkpop.weebly.com for more information about the show. That's 17-C-A-R-A-T-K-P-O-P.weebly.com. Enjoy the show! Real quick, your action of the day. I really hope you consider donating to the Apollo Theater because so much black talent has come out of that theater, and I've been thinking a lot lately about how much of our culture, movies, TV shows, music, magazines, books, graphic novels, everything, podcasts, I could keep going on and on, how much of that has been made by wonderful, insightful, creative, fascinating, intelligent black creators, and how much will be missing from the world of the arts and media if we didn't have black creators. So just, I really want to uplift them and recognize their voices. And so it would be so devastating for their um, artistry and that channel they have if the Apollo Theater closed down. It's getting hit very hard due to the pandemic. So please help out this venue. They're very dedicated to social justice causes and uplifting black voices. So please donate. It's tax deductible. You can go to bit.ly backslash capital A Apollo dash capital D donation. And please consider donating and supporting them as well as other theaters in places where black art continues to shine and hopefully will continue to do so through this difficult time. Thank you. Time for your latest K-pop headlines. A lot has gone on since we last caught up, so let's just dive right into it. Some rookie group drama happening. There is a group called Yellow Bee. They started in 2017 but have already disbanded. And there's a lot of drama and controversy and debate surrounding why they disbanded. Basically, their agency, which is called Addiction Entertainment, released a statement saying, quote, promiscuous behavior was the reason why they had to disband. So basically placing the blame on one of the members' behavior. But then that member fired back saying that um, it was actually they're trying to pass the blame and actually one of the agency staff members was engaging in that inappropriate behavior. And we won't go into all of the specific allegations here, but it is quite a dark story. And this band member from Yellow Bee has basically said that, um, among other allegations we won't go into, that the staff left the girls alone a lot. So there's an example she gave when they were left at an airport for eight hours alone on their way to Japanese promotional fan events and stuff. So they were on a a trip to Japan, and then their supervisor just left them at the airport with some money and told them to figure out how to get a flight and how to do things in Japan on their own. So they had to navigate promotions in Japan by themselves and were really left to their own devices, not feeling supported. She talked about other instances where she felt like they haven't gotten the proper guidance and supervision that she would like, and so it's been very hard for her. So the latest is that there may be a lawsuit happening on both sides, countersuing. I don't know how that will work, but Yellow Bee is no more regardless of the reason. It just doesn't seem repairable at all, their relationship between the members and the company, so all of their contracts have been terminated. In other sad rookie group news, Shin Mina from I Love is being sued by her agency for defamation now after she also revealed allegations and came out with 
her allegations against her members. So not agency staff, but in her case, it is her own band members who, uh, again, I won't go into detail, but very dark stuff that they did. And she, she accused them of a lot of different forms of bullying. And so she's basically, she, she's basically really trying to, trying to take back her, her life and career and get out of this contract and it's very frustrating a uh, double lawsuit here where the company is suing her but she wants to sue them and so a lot of hurt feelings all around a lot of confusion because there's really no way to like solve this the harm can never be undone so Mina's mom posted on her social media the other day uh, saying that Mina is currently being hospitalized she's having some mental health difficulties right now and at once she feels healthy enough, they will be pursuing legal action. So we will see what happens there, and I will keep you posted. In other sad news, Pristine, the girl group who turned into Hanapia after um, some member changes, Hanapia slash Pristine, this group has not released anything since November of last year, and they haven't posted on social media since June 2nd, so they've actually missed two of the members' birthdays since then already, which is very, very abnormal for K-pop groups. And so fans are demanding answers, and they're very worried and concerned that the group just disbanded quietly. And the agency has yet to comment as of recording time, so I will keep you posted. It's not looking good. Um, so what fans are doing online, though, is they're trying to come together and encourage other K-pop fans, even if you're not a fan of that group specifically, to help by streaming their single Drip on YouTube, Spotify, buying it on iTunes, all of that to show support for this group. Also financially now because the companies that are not part of the big three companies in, K in the K-pop world, like I've talked about before on this show, really are struggling for funds right now during the pandemic when they can't have the in-person fan events that really provide a huge part of their income and just over time their income because they build up a fan base through those in-person events that they can't build up right now because they can't meet them in person. So they really need help right now. And so if you will, it's a great song, please stream Drip. Again, it's spelled H-I-N-A-P-I-A. Hinapia, I believe, is how it's pronounced. So please help them out. They're really great. Pristine was also really great music-wise. So really hoping for the fans' sake that they did not disband and that it's just a weird social media absence. Not sure how optimistic I am about that, though. Uh, we'll get to some other disappointing news, and then we'll get to the happier stuff. So Road to Kingdom was great. I really enjoyed it. But the whole point of the Road to Kingdom show was that it was a prelude to the the show called Kingdom. But now apparently that has been scrapped, at least for the time being. So basically the Kingdom staff issued a statement saying that the Kingdom will not air this year. And they didn't make it sound like it was cancelled, but it's indefinitely postponed. They said the reason is because they want it to film with a live audience so when it's safe to do so they will proceed I guess um, so that may be a year or more from now so it's disappointing we have to wait I kind of get it because it is there's definitely an absence you feel with k-pop shows when you don't see the live audience or hear the fan chants or see the light sticks there's a very communal call and response aspect of k-pop audiences that is definitely you feel the absence of right now so I kind of get that but I, I wonder if there are other th variables at play here as well, funding-wise, or maybe just 
um, in general health-wise. Maybe someone on staff tested positive, who knows. But there could be other behind-the-scenes issues, but their official statement is that um, they want to wait till they can have a live audience again before they film. But in the meantime, we are still getting Island Part 2 later this year, so... There's that for there's that for us to uh, to hold us out for now tide us over. In better TV news, Monster X just guest starred on all that, the Nickelodeon reboot, and they they perform middle of the night on this kid show, which was a really odd choice if you ask me. It's a great song. I was just very surprised they picked that song, but you know, what whatever. <laughs> um, other news, Luna now officially has a USA-specific website that is in all English. It's lunatheworldus.com, and they also have a phone number on that page so you can get text updates. And if you run a podcast called 17 Karat K-Pop, you can use that text service to request interviews. Well, I don't know, but I'm, I'm assuming that's allowed because that's what's happening. Really hoping that if Luna wants to promote more in the USA, they will... Uh, allow me, a USA fan, to uh, interview them for the show sometime. So let's uh, make that happen someday. Uh, I don't know if actual text response go to anyone. It probably goes to a bot who does nothing about it, but you never know. So fingers crossed that would be a dream to talk to Luna someday. But it is exciting what they might have in store if they're leaning in this USA promo direction. Very excited what they come up with for that. Other big news, so quick PSA, this is really flown under the radar, but NCT127 recently collaborated with Martine, actually not super recently, but it's recently been uploaded on YouTube, so NCT127's collab with Martine is actually officially available to legally listen to, it's called What We Talking About, and as of recording time it's still on YouTube, so quick uh, check out that bop if you want. Also, big news for SM Entertainment artists, Exo's Lay is the first Asian artist to get to curate his own edition of Tomorrow Magazine, that's TMRW, and if you go to their site, you can pre-order your copy now, it has 100 pages of content that Lay created himself and shows, articles, pictures, all things Lay. And it's also, Tomorrow Magazine makes that stuff on entirely recyclable materials, so if you... Um, for some reason stop standing EXO someday, which is terrible, but, you know, for the sake of this argument, I'll claim that you've made that choice. Um, you can recycle that magazine, and you don't have to worry about, can I throw it out or recycle? You get to recycle, so it's an eco-friendly magazine, as eco-friendly as a magazine can be, with a lot of unseen lay content, so be sure to check that out. Other SM Entertainment news, they have an official TikTok account now. So does Real, one of my favorite J-pop stars, side note. That's R-E-O-L. She has a new song also called The Sixth Sense, which is great. I highly recommend checking that out. NCT Dream are the new ambassadors for Candy Lab Cosmetics. Chanyul has his first big movie role set up. It's going to be a jukebox musical about this washed-up music producer who tries to team up with this under-the-radar singer, and they try to make their musical dreams come true. It actually, fun fact, this musical Chanyeol was going to be in, it's his first big acting role in a film, and it will be directed by the man who also helped produce EXO's Olympics performance at that closing ceremony. So that is high-quality content. We love to see it. Also fun for people who grew up with Spongebob like me, this movie is called The Box, 
and you know automatically it's going to be good. Because all you need for something good is the box mixed with your imagination, and great things come of it. So, again, we love to see it. More things we love to see. The VMA nominations are in. There is a Best K-Pop category. I've already gone on rants before, so I won't do it again now, about what I like and don't like about the Best K-Pop category of events and how that others K-Pop content, but it is what it is. There are some good nominations this year. There's G Idols, Oh My God. There's BTS with On, EXO with Obsession, Monster X with Someone Someone, TXT with Runaway, Red Velvet with Psycho. And personally, my favorite song of those was probably On or Obsession, but I think Monster X is Someone Someone should win just because of the message. It feels right for 2020. So that's my opinion about that. But in more exciting news, BTS is also nominated in two non-K-pop specific categories. Best Choreography for On and Best Pop for On. And my thoughts on this, honestly, I'm very happy with how this is going. Because it's a good start. Because I think really, you know, if it's going to take very small incremental change, that's better than nothing. And last year it was just Best K-pop really, or it was relegated all to one part of the nominations and this time they're really dipping their toes more into letting one k-pop group get into another category and so i think this is a good trend this is in the right direction and then more integration of these uh, music industries from different parts of the world will take place the marginalization will hopefully continue to be erased it's taking a while but you know i'm happy with taking what we can get at this point with this and i just think this is a good step forward and that in the next VMAs we'll get even more groups in non-K-pop categories. So just something to keep in mind, progress. Some stat updates. So we've been tracking the, the growth of Namjoon's mixtape Mono for some time now. And since we last talked, it's moved up a couple places. So it is now in second place for the album that has gotten the most number ones on iTunes with 114 countries helping it reach number one on their charts. It just surpassed Beyonce's self-titled album. It's so wild. After all these years, or it probably actually hasn't been that many years, but you know what I mean. It's really still doing so well on the charts after all these months, and we, again, love to see it. Stray Kids' God's Menu video has 80 million views now. Blackpink's How You Like That video has 14 million views now. Eric Nam's The Other Side EP just passed a million streams. BTS's Love Yourself Answer is now their second album to spend 100 weeks on the Billboard World Albums chart. V continues to reign with Sweet Night, his OST, which just reached number one on the Japanese iTunes singles chart, which he's actually the first Korean solo artist to do so. BTS's Light single is their first Japanese single to go silver. BTS's Dope video is their 14th video to reach 6 million likes. We love to see it again. And Treasure, the new rookie group from YG Entertainment, just broke records for YG rookies with 150,000 pre-orders. And lastly, AT's Zero Fever Part 1 album let them break their personal record with over 250,000 pre-orders and over 115,000 copies sold during day one of its release. All really exciting news. In the quarantunes world of music these days, 7 O'Clock has officially postponed their USA fall tour to 2021. 
presumably fall 2021, but they didn't specify. They just said 2021. My only surprise is that it took this long for that to happen, to be honest. Things are not looking great with the virus right now, especially in the USA. Super Junior, KRY, the subunit, they are the next artist to be part of SM Entertainment's Beyond Live virtual concert series. So you can check out their show August 23rd. This one is probably the worst time that so far for Chicago fans. It'll be 1 a.m. our time. Um, so keep that in mind before you decide if you want to buy a ticket. Um, TikTok is in a weird place. It's been used a lot these days to help artists, you know, start dance trends people can do at home and things like that and to promote music when they can't promote music in person. It's becoming a more important tool, but it may be banned in the USA now. It just got banned in India and a few other places as well. So we'll see what the status is. They're just, the government is saying they're looking into banning it for security reasons, which is odd to me because Facebook and other apps have a lot more of our data than TikTok ever would. It reminds me of Zepetto. Remember the Zepetto app where I don't know if people use it anymore. I mean, they can for the Blackpink benefits, so hopefully they do. But anyway, so Zepetto drew a lot of controversy because people were thinking that it was it was taking too much data and they had security concerns. But actually, those were kind of debunked and it wasn't really sharing data more than any other app you normally use. So I think it's the same with TikTok where maybe the security concerns are not overblown on their own, but overblown in proportion to other apps we use daily. So anyway, so I actually don't think it will get banned in the USA. There's just talk right now. And they just launched a creators fund to regularly give paychecks to TikTokers. You know, they really have invested a lot in USA stars. And I just think there's no going back for them with just an abrupt government decision. This, If it does get banned in the USA, I predict it will take a very long time. It'll be a drawn out thing. It'll be gradual. It will require meetings first to figure out how to do that. It'll require reallocating the funds they've accumulated so far. So there's a lot that will go into it. Microsoft, which is a USA-based company, is actually considering acquiring it, and so it would be considered a USA-owned company instead of a Chinese one. So there are a lot of technical technical details that are unclear about how that would work and if it will proceed, but it is possible still, so that may happen as well. Although some TikTokers have, upon hearing this news, already switched over to Triller, a, co a competition app which in other companies like Facebook have tried to create their own versions of TikTok, so they may double down on those efforts now. But anyway, a few prominent TikTokers decided to move to Triller over security concerns and because TikTok is shutting down here, apparently. But I don't think it'll be enough for those few to influence a whole generation that is now all about TikTok to switch over to Triller. I just don't know. But then again, people switch from Vine to TikTok and seem okay with that. So we will see. These trends happen fast, so who knows. But I wouldn't get too worked up yet about TikTok going away. I just think it's become too much of a powerful force for it to just abruptly be removed from USA um, consumption. So something to keep in mind. If we still have TikTok, pretty within the next week or two, you can check out The Weeknd's digital show where he'll have different avatars of his perform different sets. He's having an augmented reality style TikTok concert called The Weekend Experience. If you want to hear more about how CGI and other unique virtual versions of concerts are taking place during this COVID era, I talked about that in a lot of previous episodes of my show, so make sure you check those out.
Lastly, New East is trying a new way of getting content to fans virtually through an on-clip unboxing event, they call it. So starting September 13th, every Sunday for about a month, on this website, you can check out new content from New East, where there will be different videos for your bias with new content. You can also unlock bundles of stories, is the quote for... Uh, the first time, so I guess they'll just have a lot of unique storytelling when you open up the virtual present and get to see things happen. Again, the box, you just need the box and imagination. So if you get that reference, you're my new favorite person. <laughs> so anyway, that is the latest in terms of the world of K-pop, the good and the bad. Now let's get to the theme of today's episode. The story we're going to start with is for my bias Jimin and his solo video for Serendipity, which borrows a lot of visual imagery and concepts from the story called The Little Prince. So this story is basically about this young boy who travels to a bunch of different planets, including the Earth. But he's not from Earth, he's from this other planet slash asteroid type thing that has a rose growing out of it. So basically this boy lives on this other planet where he tends to this rose and eventually though he decides to go explore other planets because basically he feels like he didn't express his love the right way to the rose. It's it's a long story but basically he um, needs some time away from his relationship with this rose, his friendship with this rose, um, and so he goes to, around, travels around the world to clear his head. And basically, yes, this is a children's book, but it actually was very critically acclaimed for the concepts. It actually still does allude to that real, really get deep into the meaning of life and journeys and whatnot. So it really is a critically acclaimed in certain ways. And so Basically, the narrator starts the story with this commentary about grown-ups and how their values are all messed up and how they focus so much on what's practical and that when little kids show them a drawing of something, they'll be like, no, that looks more like this or that. They'll really kind of hamper down your, your imagination and stifle that creativity and try to put you into a box in life. And so that's where the story starts. Then the narrator is this pilot, and so the narrator's flying a plane and then crashes into the Sahara Desert where this narrator finds the Little Prince. So the Little Prince is traveling the world at that point, and is he ends up being on the same island as him, and they get to talking. The Little Prince shares his story about his home planet and what why he left to travel the world for now, and then he goes to different planets traveling now. And he recapping these journeys for this narrator that he ran into. So Little Prince is talking about how on each planet he met a different person, and each person is this narrow-minded adult who is just not a likable character. So basically each character he meets embodies a certain trait in adults that kids might get annoyed at, or something that, you know, you lose you lose when you grow up if you lose touch with your inner child. So he talks to a narcissist, he meets a king who just keeps issuing orders to like the sun and stuff because he doesn't have any royal subjects, he just acts like it. So he's like, sun, set for me today, and just like pretends that he's in control of stuff that would have happened without him anyway, so that illusion of control is his story. He meets the super shameless guy, he meets this businessman who really just 
thinks in it through a corporation lens and tries to like buy stars as if the constellations are a part of the stock market or something. He meets this lamplighter who spends his whole life lighting and then putting out the light on a lamp because in on the lamplighter's planet a whole day is only a minute long and so he spends his whole life just preparing for the next day. He also meets this geographer who loves to think about the world but never has actually traveled anywhere. So basically all of these characters who bring have all these negative traits with fear holding them back, with power being corruptive, with just general shamelessness that leads to rudeness, with thinking too much in these the business terms of life as opposed to the emotional components of a situation or just enjoying the look at stars or something like that, overly analytical lenses of seeing the world, all of that that he disagrees with. So Eventually, the little prince gets to Earth, where he doesn't find any humans at first. He just hears the sound of his own echoes, and he's getting really lonely. He cri- he cries from loneliness until this fox shows up. Now, side note, that fox is represented also in Shiny's music video universe for the whole Story of Light album trilogy concept. You see the fox imagery? That's a little prince reference right there. And anyway, so the little prince finally does meet some people on work or on, sorry, on on Earth, including workers who focus all on work all the time. So he meets this railroad guy who basically is just talks about how humans are always go, 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 and they never stop to think and reflect. Clearly, this was a pre-COVID story. Then he meets this merchant who basically keeps trying to sell magic pills to people. So clearly, again, these this social commentary here and the Little Prince's confusion about why all these things are the way they are is... Uh, speaks volumes as well because, you know, if you put yourself back in the mind of a child, you realize how jaded you get as you get older, really, by comparison, and how much really doesn't make sense, but we act like it does or should be normalized when maybe it shouldn't as adults in society. Anyway, so then the ending is really weird and disappointing, so sorry about that, but it is what it is, where the little prince basically says that if the snake he has bites him, then he'll go back to his home planet. Uh, look, I, I'm as confused as you are, but here's how the story goes. So he's thinking either the snake will bite him and he'll die, or the snake will bite him and he will be sent back to his home planet. So he's going to let the snake just do it. And so he leaves the narrator after the snake does bite him, and the narrator never sees him again. The narrator eventually somehow finally fixes his plane after eight days of being stranded and then he flies away and never sees him again. Then the story ends with the author basically having the equivalent of a missing a missing children's message where the author basically says, have you seen that little prince? So it's really a weird alarming ending and you they don't really, the author doesn't clarify what happened to the prince um, and leaves that up to the reader to decide. And actually, apparently, the author of this story actually did come up with a conclusion for the story and more details throughout that would make sense and explain more, but he took it all out because he decided, I want this to be more ambiguous and I want it to focus on more abstract, broader themes and messages that I'm trying to get at. So he got rid of the context. So there's a lot you could take away from that imagery, but... I think basically it's about, you know, the author calling out at the end for someone to find that boy, 
is really kind of a symbol of the author's like, wait, I actually enjoyed his his company, you know? The kid that's always why, 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 and doing things that seem annoying that kids do, you know? Being so curious about everything and being so, uh, just constantly wanting to learn more and taking so much attention and time and just, you know, they can be loud and annoying kids. <laughs> so the author at the end is really, though, seeing it in a different light and is like, wow, we needed those lessons. You know, there's a very famous book called something along the lines of everything I needed to learn in life I learned in kindergarten. And that's just what I've been thinking about a lot with this story. It gets to, you know, the ultimate lessons in life about curiosity, about friendship and talking to other people and forming those relationships, about traveling and seeing the world and seeing other cultures and people, about finding ways to get out of that cynical daily grind. All of those lessons really you could learn in a kindergarten setting or just around other people. So really it gets to the socialization aspect of learning and growing. And it does have a lot of larger messages that tap into BTS's broader message about um, about friendship getting you very far in life, leaning on other people, helping you out. And really that is what serendipity, the song is all about. You know, the chorus talking about let me love you, trying to figure out like that boy with the rose, how to express love and emotions and Really, I see a lot of parallels there, so I I find that a very interesting story. Also, we have a more overt connection to the next story I'm going to talk about, which is Pied Piper. So BTS actually has a song, it's a B-side that is super underrated from the Love Yourself Her album called Pied Piper, where they have lyrics like about follow the sound of the pipe, so clear connections to the story here. And the However, this one, the meaning continues to be ambiguous, so... Basically, in this story, there is this rat-infested town. Literal rats are filling the town, and this musician shows up and offers to run the rats out of the town by playing his instrument. So he plays, like, this magic instrument, and if he plays it as he leaves the town, all the rats will follow him because they love the music and are hypnotized by it. And so the king basically says, okay... And gives, uh, and they negotiate a fee for his job doing this. So the musician does get the rats out of there. And then, this is wild to me, all the rats drown on the way. Because they all, like, I don't know why they walked, like, through the river or on the river or what. But somehow they crossed a river and all the rats drowned because, I don't know, their brains aren't that big, I guess. And so, anyway... So one rat is the only survivor, and he runs back to the town to warn them about what happened. <laughs> it's such a weird story. So then the musician comes back to say, I did it. I ran the rats out of town. Where's my money? The king is the super corrupt guy who basically now only agrees to pay him half of what they originally agreed on. And so the musician basically says, wants payback, wants revenge for getting, you know, not his share of the for not getting the fair share of his of what he's due financially and so he gets his payback by playing a different tune on his instrument that this one doesn't hypnotize rats it hypnotizes children and so all the kids in this town follow him out of the town and they all go through this portal somehow and one kid is too slow and doesn't get in the portal in time so he runs back just like the rat did to, just like the literal rat did, to uh, tell the town and warn them about what's happening with this musician and what he's taking them away. And then they're never to be seen from again. So critics have been left 
with scratching their heads about this for a lot of reasons. A lot of logical stuff like the river and the portal, like there are a lot of questions there, but also really about what the author was trying to say. Another moment where an author seems very intentionally ambiguous. And so people think it could be a, a couple of different things. One is that it's a commentary about musicians in other career fields that are belittled and dismissed as not important in life. Um, the musicians, you know, not getting paid well or not given the respect they're due for their work and their contribution to society and helping us rid society of some ills and provide comfort and enjoyment to people and how valuable that is. Some people think it's more of a critique about people like that king who are, or I believe he might have been a mayor actually. So maybe this was a more democratic town than I'm leading on. But anyway, about politicians who are corrupt and kind of detached from society's daily woes and too consumed with money and too stingy and not following through on their financial agreements. Some people think it is more of a commentary really about maybe a mob mentality. Other people say it is more about basically, um, I mean the rats, there's a lot of symbolism you could get to there. There are a whole host of meanings this has. Um, mostly I think with BTS's storyline they meant to have a song about this story to have to do with that first argument about how musicians are undervalued and powerful and they know their power, they're just waiting for you to recognize their power. That seems to be the message they're getting at, but it could be others as well because, you know, BTS has said a lot before on their songs uh, calling out, you know, greed and politicians who seem detached from um, the citizens' concerns and emotional needs. They've called out and criticized you know, certain consumerism mentalities and stinginess and whatnot. So uh, it could be those themes as well that led them to enjoy this story. So I find that a very interesting, if not bizarre one. <laughs> Another story, the third one I'm going to talk about is Dorian Gray's story. And Dorian Gray, basically this imagery and references are throughout some BTS videos, but primarily from the Singularity video. And this era that is the holy aesthetic of the Singularity video is this Victorian era that um, is important to understand for context. So Dorian Gray is this philosophical gothic horror novel, basically, from 1890. It was released by Oscar Wilde, and it takes place in this Victorian era England. Basically, it is about this guy named Dorian who finds the key to eternal youth. And so we have this other character named Basil, who is basically mesmerized because Dorian is gorgeous, and he's just mesmerized by his beauty and makes a full-length painting of Dorian. And basically, this is supposed to, like, keep, uh, capture Dorian's beauty in time, because he wanted to have a picture so it'll last, um, to see Dorian's beauty forevermore, even when Dorian gets older. And so there's this girl named Sybil that Dorian has a relationship with, um, but then he decides that she got older and too ugly, so he breaks up with her. Yeah, don't feel bad for this character. Dorian is a piece of work. And so he basically considers her too ugly to stay with. And so eventually Sybil gets so distraught and depressed. Um, trigger warning, but I won't get too uh, gory, but there are some details coming up that are a bit intense. Anyway, so Sybil basically ends things and uh, leaves this earth. And she's so distraught after that breakup and everything. So there's a lot to unpack there with ageism and gender dynamics and whatnot. But 
Um, the main point of this story is that um, these characters really value looks above all else, which leads to their downfall. So over time, Dorian continues to be a terrible person and commits a lot of sins, and the more sins he commits, the uglier his painting gets. So he thought maybe this was a way to immortalize his beauty by getting this painting of him, but actually the painting is aging as well. So he's very frustrated, like, what the heck, I thought I found a way to be beautiful forever, young and beautiful forever, and here I am. Uh, the sins keep piling up in the Painting keeps getting uglier in his mind because it's getting older. Again, there's a lot of ageism in the story, but but anyway. Um, so then Basil, the guy who originally painted him, finds out about what's happening with the painting and what Dorian has been saying and doing and all the sins from his past. So Dorian doesn't like the fact that Basil knows too much. And so Dorian basically blackmails someone to uh, take Basil out, if you know what I mean. So Basil is dead, and Dorian um, also tries to... Okay, it's a long story, but Sybil's brother tries to get revenge. He ends up dead too. Dorian has a lot of blackmail on people and has a lot of power. He uses it in the worst ways. So that's the bottom line there. He eventually basically um, is so frustrated that he stabs the painting of himself with the same knife that was used to kill Basil, and the servants hear the ruckus, and they run into the room to find out what's going on, and then the servants just find Dorian there. He now looks extra old and ugly, apparently, while his painting, after this happened, is now beautiful again. So basically, it was a trade-off, and now Dorian took on all of the ugliness that was embodied in his painting, and so now the painting is young and beautiful again. So basically... The Victorian era was this type of era for men that had to do a lot with keeping up appearances and that concept of having your public self and private self be super distinguished from each other. So basically, it didn't matter who you were in public. Uh, it didn't matter how fake you, you were in public as long as you played it off well. As long as you could play the part convincingly, you could act successful and then it was fine. You didn't need to try for real success behind the scenes in life basically. So it was a lot of, there was a lot of pressure for men to act a certain way and of course women too but this story focuses a lot on masculinity at the time and how this Victorian era was all about basically, um, so basically before the Victorian era we had romanticism and the period of romanticism was all about getting back in tune with your emotions, it was all about really just feeling everything. It was about passion and emotion and all those things that are linked to, um, that are stereotypically linked to femininity. So men were uh, basically kind of turned into the antithesis of that over time. And that's, you know, there's a lot of roots in uh, the emotions and thoughts we have toward showing your emotions we have till this day in society. So Men kind of had this counter movement to romanticism with Victorian era theories and values where they lived their lives focused on this strong man look, focused on looking wealthy and successful whether they really were or not, focused on their outer appearance physically and just in terms of how wealthy they appeared and things like that. So they were very preoccupied with how they came across to others, very insecure about their self-image after that era of vulnerability and things like that. So this happened, and then this is definitely a trait that you see through, Dor through Dorian, 
who basically, um, there's this one scene in the book where he's at this theater production and he basically roasts the show. He's enjoying it, but he acts like he isn't and makes fun of it with other people. So, you know, there's that uh, fragile masculinity there as well. And it's interesting, there's actually this other character who might be even worse called Lord Henry. And Lord Henry has this key quote where he says, there is only one thing in the world worse than being talked about, and that is not being talked about, which pretty much summarizes the whole mentality of the Victorian era among men. And so basically the whole story is about Dorian feels the need to hide his true self, keep up appearances. What this has to do with the BTS world, well, we know, especially with Singularity, all of the symbolism they have in their music video world about personas, about putting on different sides of your personality depending on where you are, and trying to figure out where the true self is within those personalities, and trying to get rid of the fake parts of your identity, and, you know, figuring out really what really matters in life, and who you really want to be, and how much is just putting on airs, and why would you do that, what's the point? And so, super relevant uh, uh, parallels here we have, and as well as just the concept of hiding parts of yourself and trying to then face those parts of yourself. BTS literally had a Japanese album called Face Yourself. So really their story is all about that, trying to f make peace with every part of yourself. And the fact that Dorian could do that is what led to his demise. Even, I mean, when he was dating Sybil even, he didn't use his real name. He used pseudonyms in other instances as well throughout the story, like when he would visit the local tavern and stuff. So clearly there was part of his personality that he just was uh, too afraid to embrace and accept as his own. And so that imposter view, that view of yourself as an imposter and all that, and that really is a key component of the BTS storyline at that point. So there's that Jekyll and Hyde dichotomy in this story that was super common during this gothic novel era and super uh, influential on BTS's work then as well. And so basically it comes down to figuring out how you want to gain respect from society and how the obsession with your self-image is going to lead to your demise. And it really gets to the thought as well that BTS talks about with social restrictions and how certain social restrictions and expectations are viewed as necessary to keep a society functioning. Everyone needs to follow a certain moral code and certain social norms for everyone to stay on the same page and for rules to be followed in order to be maintained in a society. But ironically, those same things that are meant to keep order cause backlash and an outcry that can lead to destruction of that society when people revolt against it. So ironically, the things we think are freeing us by clarifying the rules of the game we call life are actually restricting us in a way that will have consequences later on. So it just brings up a lot of fundamental questions about freedom in a society, and I think that is super relevant to what BTS's story is that they're trying to put out into the world. There are a lot more, even, stories that BTS has within their world, uh, and or maybe worlds, plural, uh, that we could go into, but I'll save that for another day. If you want to hear more, you can hear about Demian and other stories like it on one of my latest episodes. There are will be more to come. I want to talk about the L service a lot as well, and some more, so stay tuned. We'll, we'll revisit this topic. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you all again soon. That wraps up the show for today.